Well, today is Father's Day. God bless every dad that's here. And uh, it's quite custom to talk to the fathers, but uh, I found that that's not uh, why people come to church, just to hear somebody preach to the fathers. So we talk to the family today. As a matter of fact, in the book of Second Kings chapter 4, there's a woman, a Shumanite, who had a son, a real miracle, but this son died. And uh, she would not accept that as final. And she said, I have to go find the man of God who prophesied over me and told me that I'd have a child. And uh, so she found the prophet, and he saw that she was somewhat in distress, and he sent the servant Gehazi to ask her, and this is what he said. He said, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And so he didn't leave anybody out, neither did I plan on leaving anybody out either. We're going to talk about the family today. Of course, dad, head of the household, and sometimes they have turned that over and failed in that particular area. But um, we want to uh, encourage and inspire and challenge uh, everyone that's here today. Whether you might be a child, we want to help you too. So we're turning to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 1, or chapter 6. I've got a lot of notes here. Somebody said, you have a good memory. The only trouble is it doesn't always work. You know, that's a problem. All right, sixth chapter of Deuteronomy. Now, this is the commandment. These are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you and your son and your grandson and all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, that you may, be, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Shall talk of them when you sit in the house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. A number of years ago, a funeral was conducted. And uh, attendance was going to be quite large to a man who was not a war hero. He did not occupy a particular position of notoriety in the world. He wasn't a, you know, a musician and uh, just a plain guy. But the, uh, the president was in that crowd 
congressmen were there, politicians, all kinds of people waiting for this ship that was about to dock in, I believe, New York City. And uh, here's a casket with a flag draped over it and bands were playing. It just was something else. Who was this man? Somebody said, well, he must have been something else. He must have been, must have accomplished a lot in this world. Who is he? Because all across America, flags were flying at half staff, and it was like a, a special holiday. His name, John Howard Payne. Does that name ring a bell to you? It didn't ring a bell to me. <laughs> if you said John Wayne, you probably, that'd probably been something different, but it was John Howard Payne. He wrote these famous lines, and this is what he said. This is what made him famous, not only in our country, but in England and possibly around the world. This is what he wrote. He wrote the whole poem, but I don't have time to read all of that. This is what he said. Mid pleasures and palaces, though off I may roam, be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. How about that? I wish I could write a couple of lines and be that famous, but I don't have any aspiration to be famous, that's for sure. But to leave a mark on the humanity and touch heartstrings in that manner is, of course, a great thing. So I want to talk to you today about uh, the, the no place like home. Of course, it is Father's Day. Father is the head of the, the home. That's not the boss, but his position of um, authority, you know, the buck stops there. He has a responsibility or should take that responsibility, especially when children are brought into the world to see that their feet are pointed in the right direction, that as they grow, they'll grow to know Jesus Christ. They'll know the importance of praying and of the importance of a real born-again experience. They'll know love, forgiveness, and all of these things. That's dad part, but mom has her part too, and the kids, they have their part, because this is a family thing. Some of us are grown, and some of us are, you know, like to, I tell people, my face is getting bigger all the time, getting longer, just keeps going back. Pretty soon it'll touch back there, I suppose, but time marches on for all of us, but we all have a part. We are part in a family. My family's quite big. I, I never realized there's no one left as far as sisters, brothers, father, mother uh, left in mine. But I got a big family. Four kids and what, 11, 12 grandchildren? You lose count after a while. Maybe you get old and can't count. I don't know. But uh, there's a bunch, 17 great-grandchildren. So they got a lot of praying to do. But I thank God that God is answering prayer for us in a, in a great way. And not that we are any better than anyone else. And I appreciate all the remarks that Tyler made. But listen, <laughs> I don't deserve the uh, Let's not go there, okay? We have our failures. We're human. If you think I'm the perfect guy, you're sadly mistaken. Was I the perfect father? Ask some of the kids. I could have killed a couple of them at times. Really? Uh, oh, one of them is here, so he's still alive. 
When I thought they might have drowned in the river in the springtime, didn't come home, but people said they were going to the river to fish. Wow, my heart beat so hard, I didn't know what to do. And I just thought, I went around the streets, and they weren't there, him and Jeff Case. And finally, made the turn, and there they were. Well, listen, all of that, you know, tears ready to come, and the broken heart suddenly turned into something else. For two cents, I'd have killed the both of them right there in the street. Really, you know. So I, I, I'm not a perfect guy. I could lose it and so forth, and uh, made mistakes. But God, through it all, God has been there, and He's been more than faithful to me. Amen. So today, let's think about it. Which is the most important thing in all the world? Some say the most important thing is the church. Some say school. Some say friends, associates, and so forth. But I want you to know that in spite of all the things that we've mentioned, and you can add ministries to that, all kinds of youth and children's church, and they're all very, very important. But the most important thing on this planet is your home. Okay? That's where you live. It's 168 hours of the week, and you spend a great deal of time in that place. You're in church for a while. Unless Tyler's preaching, you might stay a little, little longer, but uh, home. So we want to focus in on, on that. You, it's the most important thing, and because it is, we want to make the most of the opportunities and the time that God has given to us. And pray, you have to pray hard. I mean, uh, I've seen people take the scripture, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy, thy house, and said, I'm just counting on that. Friend, when you really believe, you'll do something about it. Amen? If you really believe somebody needs to be saved, you're going to do some praying. You're going to do some, uh, you know, instruction, and so forth. It just doesn't happen. I know that for a fact. You say, well, God said he'd do it, and I don't have to worry about it. We didn't ask, nobody asked you to worry, but God asked you to put some faith, put some prayer, put some service, put some love, and the whole package together, and to see that scripture come to pass. You do your part, and God's going to do his, all right? Okay, so I want to share with you the inheritance that parents can give. And if you're not married, you're not a parent, don't tune me out because you still are part of a family, right? You might be a brother, you might be a sister, but you got somebody somewhere that you call or a group of people that you call your family. Now here's Moses. He came down uh, to the end of his days on earth and he looked over the promised land. He remembered God told him, you'll see it, but you are not allowed to go in there. So he begins to write under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit these words that we read to you in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. And uh, uh, he said, or I want to go back just a little bit. This is what happens when you get uh, gray hair up here. Deuteronomy 5.29, this is what he said. God's, he's writing in the place of the Lord. These words came. He said, oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Notice that verse. Oh, 
that there is such a heart in them. Let me tell you something, friends. The greatest thing that you can do on behalf of your child is have a real heart, a heart for God, a heart for, the soul, for your children, a love for them, love for the things of God, the house of God, a real heart. It isn't something you can put on. It isn't something that you wear once in a while. But the effective heart is one that is always beating in behalf of your family, your relationship with God, a heart. It came into the heart of Moses to visit his brethren. I often told people of all the visitation programs that we have, and they're very, very good, but there's nothing like something coming into somebody's heart to minister to them, whether it's a hospital, sick room, wherever it is. Thank God for people with heart. Amen? So we cannot give everything. Some people think if I give them... Silver, gold, stocks, bonds, and anything that you can name, automobiles, clothes, um, credit card. Don't go that, don't be that crazy, but of all the things that you can give to your family, there's nothing like a spiritual legacy. Give them a spiritual heritage. Train up a child in the way that he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. It may take some time. And our family took my brother 50-some years after my dad had committed his life to the Lord before. But I thank God that God always answered prayer, right? You don't quit hearts. Amen? Thank God you can impart God's blessing and God's presence. You say, you don't understand the house that I live in. It's kind of a divided one. I do have to do my praying in a secret place. People will scoff at me and all kinds of things. But let me tell you something, friend. But by the help of God, you can create an atmosphere in that place that hell cannot destroy. Amen? Years ago, and if you're English and I pronounce the name of the town, forgive me, but there's a town in England called Injedi or Injeti, whichever. God help us when the English people who really know how to pronounce things when they come here. I, I feel sorry for them, the way we murder things. But anyhow, a strange thing happened one night. They found, or the next day, they found 60 people dead in, their, in the bed, in their beds, in various homes. They didn't know what happened, a peculiar situation, 60 at a time. But they discovered something. There was a factory, and it gave off fumes. Actually, they were sulfuric acid. And for a long time, it, it never bothered anybody. But one night, there was a particular condition that developed. The temperature suddenly fell. And a fog came in. And when it did, it polluted the atmosphere. And autopsies proved that these people had died because of breathing in the poisonous air. What do you tell us that for? I'm telling this to you is that atmospheres can be created good or bad. 
I see some kids that struggle. My heart goes out to them because the home they come from, it isn't one where God is honored at all. Where there's all kinds of sin and mockery and scoffing and so forth. I've seen homes where the mother tried to bet her best to bring her children to the house of God and so forth. Instruct them. The father said, oh, you don't listen to your mother. You don't have paying attention. I've had the funerals of those children. Let me tell you something. The grown people, not pretty at all. But you can create a good atmosphere, an atmosphere where people care, share one with another and love. You say, well, uh, I'm so busy. I'm making money. I got to provide the best things I can. They got to have things that I didn't have. Let me tell you something. Get a hold of yourself. I was not born with a silver spoon in my mouth. No way. I told some people one day we were so poor, the mice had to go out to eat. <laughs> no, really. God t Dad took care of us. We had food, shelter, not a great, you know, things bought. Uh, in those particular days when you played ball, it usually was a hard ball that somebody had thrown away. It didn't have a cover on it. You're wrapped in friction tape. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, here we are. Okay, the baseball bat was one that was cracked and somebody threw it away. We had screws in it and taped it up or nails or something. That's the way we played. Baseball gloves, hey, somebody had wore that thing out so many times, passed it around, finally landed with us. Boy, you talk about uh, next to nothing for a glove, but that's the way it was. But there are some people had all, had everything. I mean, they had the best of everything. Some of us didn't. I look back at that, and you say, well, you must have held that against your dad because he didn't do all those things for you. No, sir. Those things hardly enter my mind. But I'll tell you what does enter my mind. My dad was one that he believed in God, trusted God. He wasn't didn't recommit his life to the Lord until he was about eight or ten years old. I never heard a curse word ever come out of his mouth. Never. Never. I never he never smoked. He never, he never drank. None of those things. You say, boy, he must have been some perfect man. He was not a perfect man. As a matter of fact, he told you to get ready for church. Your best interest to get ready, too. In fact, don't be so stupid to ask. We weren't so stupid to ever ask on a Sunday, what are we going to do? Are we going to church or not? What a foolish, foolish question. What a waste of breath that was. You're sick, go to church and get healed. <laughs> I mean, it's just different. But I thank God for, for him. And so what does that mean to me? It means that you can uh, live for God, and you can create that kind of atmosphere in your home so that children will not say, I can't wait to get out of here because I want to get out of this mess and turmoil and strife and beatings and the whole thing. No. They can look back like Mr. Payne. No place like home. We're all building a home right now. You say, oh, I got white hair on my head. I got to listen. You're still living, aren't you? Build it. Keep building it. And there's something that you can leave, that's for sure. Your heart 
as it has to be in it. And sometimes if we're not careful, we lose a little heart when there are the kids, teenagers, whatever they happen to be, they're going to stray. And we begin to wonder about them and say, I wish those kids would straighten up or, you know, I wish they'd get right with God. But, you know, sometimes it doesn't go any farther than that. But I was brought up in a different era, a different situation altogether. That doesn't make me any better. But they used to sing songs like this. How many ever heard the old song, I Dreamed I Searched Heaven for You? Anybody ever hear? Now, they don't sing that anymore. They sing something maybe different. Uh, but I dreamed I searched heaven for you. I used to th think, uh, think about that. And I used to picture in my mind people walking the streets of, of glory, looking for their child, husband, wife, whatever. Whew. That used to get me searching all over heaven. And uh, I used to say to myself, God, I want them all there. Sorry. <clears throat> you say, well, shouldn't have thoughts like that. Listen, heaven is real, and so is hell, too. It's real. And pays to talk about it, to pray about it, and to do something about it in the interest of your family. Amen? Okay. <clears throat> There's too much of being so consumed with what's going on in the world that we forget the lostness of family. And because we do, time goes on and on and on. The next thing, you know, they get away from home, they get married, they have children of their own, and sometimes they're brought, not brought up in the ways of God. So what can we do? Leave an inheritance. Deuteronomy 6.2 says that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Amen. Did you know you can prolong the day, your days? You know that? People say, what's the point on the man wants to die? I don't care what I do. Well, God knows that. That's why he appointed a day. But the reason he appointed a time for you to go, because he knew what you would do with the, with the opportunities and the life that was handed to you. Okay? He knew that. And so you chose that. And God said, okay, that's, that's it. He'll go. I can't explain why people leave this life. Sometimes people think that because a child is taken, there's been failure on a, on a parent's part. Listen, let me help you with this here. God has a great kingdom up there, and there are children, and there are young people, there are older people that populate that place, and they have a place of not just singing under a tree. The, the Bible talks about serving the Lord. God has a place of service, and sometimes he takes that child just for that spot. Amen? And you think God's been cruel to you or something. He isn't cruel. He knows what he's doing. You just have to live a while, and God will show you differently, okay? But generally speaking, your days can be prolonged. 
Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. I'll have to read these quickly. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Proverbs 22.4, by humility and fear, and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Ephesians 6.2, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Amen. I must move on to the second point I have here. He said in Deuteronomy about uh, increase. You'll increase mightily. <clears throat> no, not too many people heard of John Payne, but just about everybody has heard about Jonathan Edwards, great man many years ago. What a legacy he, lo he left. Listen to it. He said he had 400 descendants, I guess a lot, 14 college presidents, 100 missionaries, 100 preachers and teachers, theological teachers, about 100 lawyers and judges, 60 doctors, many editors of high rank and high places. In fact, American industry has its promoter, one or more of Edward's descendancy. It all started with one man. I'm going to leave part of this message because I've got to skip. I'm conscious of, of things. Sometimes when we talk about this, man, I don't have a chance. You know, started too late, too much against me. I born on the wrong side of the tracks, but folks weren't saved. No, nobody cared about that. And so I don't see how I can start. But there's a verse in Ezekiel 7.23. If you can flash that up there for, for us, I'd like you to read this one. Can we have it? I'm tough on people back there in the video. I know I skip around a little bit, but... God will forgive me, I guess. I hope they do. <laughs> okay, it simply says, God said to Ezekiel, make a chain because the land is filled with violence and the city is full of violence. Make a chain. Now, what's that got to do with family and your the spiritual welfare and the salvation of family members. What's that got to do? Make a chain. Everybody knows, I should, I assume that everybody knows, that a chain is made up of many, many links. And the way it's constructed, it could usually case-hardened steel if it's real good, so it can withstand the pull and the weights and all of this. But if there's a weak link in that chain, I'm sorry, but that chain with all its strength, if that one link is missing, the whole thing is weakened. And in the test and trial, it usually breaks apart. But I'm not talking about broken link, uh, poor links today. We're talking about a chain of influence that we can have for the glory of God. You say, well, I have, uh, you know, it's kind of late. Let, let me tell you something. It'll never be any 
earlier to start than right now. Amen? Right now. I'm glad my dad stepped out to an altar of prayer, my mom too. And even though my grandma was saved and kind of late in life, but my mother's side, there weren't any anyone saved. Thank God that most of them got saved after a while. But they started to make a chain of influence. And you can do the very same thing. Somebody's got to start it. Don't leave it to your brother, your sister. Don't leave it to your wife or husband or child. Start it yourself. That's, your, that's our responsibility. We're part of a family. So I'm not a dad. Yes, you're part of a family. Start. You take the, you take the stand and put prayer as one of the links in that chain. Put your faith along with that. Put your obedience along with that. By example, in church, the house of God, be a tither. You say, what's that got to do with it? Got a whole lot. People want to, when they see you have a heart, it touches your pocketbook as well as, you know, your mind, your eyes, and physical life. You can start that chain. Let me tell you something. We need to start a chain. You think God didn't know what he was talking about way back there? The city is full of violence. We got it, friend. We got it. And uh, whether it's your own personal family that needs the chain, our country needs the chain, right? We need it. The church needs the chain. Young people and kids, we all need to get big, make this chain because of the day and age in which we live. Make a chain, okay? You say, what's that involved? Well, the life has situations that come up every single day, and we have opportunities. We have opportunities to talk about the Lord, to, like the Scripture said, when, you're, when you lay down, when you rise up, when you walk about, and just keep talking about the Lord. I know you can't talk continuously, but there are opportunities there. If you take them, use them, God will forge that chain, make it stronger, and things will happen. I remember reading the story of one of our great preachers, who was not always a great preacher. He married a Christian woman, and somehow things weren't too good. He turned to a lot of drink and so forth, and uh, just lived his own life. And uh, he had a child, a girl, little girl. I think she probably eight or ten years old. And uh, she got very sick. And this happened a number of years ago. And we don't have the, um, you know, medical wherewithal to bring assistance to help. And uh, she was in bed and very, very sick. In fact, she heard them whisper, "She'll never make it. She's going to die." And the father was there. Of course, he was not a man of prayer. He didn't pray. He left that to his wife. And the girl extended the little arms to him. And this is what she said. Daddy, I want you to promise that you'll meet me in heaven. That's only a few words. But talk about power. That man fell on his knees, 
gave his life to Christ, answered the call to the ministry, became a great pastor that the Christian world of another generation knew so well. J. Wilbert Chapman, city of Philadelphia. Because somebody took a sentence backed by prayer, which had been going on for some time in that household, for the daddy's salvation. You say, well, I thought you had to do some big thing to influence kids. Influence people is not the big things you do. It's the little things that count. Amen. Button that lip. <laughs> Don't always say what you feel like saying. We've all been there. And so you live without regrets. You say, um, what about it? How do I know? Well, I like to think about a boy. He was walking with his uh, friend. Some of you here probably don't even know what a telephone booth is. Somebody asked, what in the world's that? Well, they used to have them all over the place, you know. <laughs> Put in a nickel, a dime, or whatever. Call. So this boy, he would say, I got to make a call. So he called a drugstore. And uh, he, the man answered, and he said, do you need any help there? Are you hiring anybody? He said, no, I got a boy that works here. He said, is he uh, ambitious? Oh, yeah, he's, he, he does well. He cleans well. He does a lot. Is he dependable? Oh, yeah, he always shows up for work on time. No, he went on and on these questions. He said, but I'm not hiring anybody now. He's, he's a good boy. So he hung up, and his son said, or his friend said to him, I thought you worked over there at Mr. Brown's drugstore. He said, I did. He said, I was just checking on myself. <laughs> Whoa, how about you checking on yourself, right? It doesn't hurt, you know, to see where you're at, to see what kind of heart we have, you know, for family and the things of God. Just checking. I thought that was kind of cute. I had a drug, we had a drugstore, and the guy's name was Brown in there. But anyhow, with your heart, with your soul, let it be consistently. Teach them over and over. When I went to school, what little I remember about it, they used to tell us that you had to teach the same fact over about 30 times until so kids would get it. In other words, a noun was an in-person place or thing, okay? You know, pronoun, modify the down, and all that. They teach that 30 times from first grade through high school. Why? Well, somehow we forget, that's all. And if they ask us today what an adverb is, probably a bunch of us couldn't do it. That might be one of my myself. Who knows? Consistently, over and over and over. And sometimes you have to make the same point over and over. You need God. You need the help of the Lord. You need to be born again. God wants to save you. God will forgive you. God will strengthen you. God will help you. God will make you a blessing. Keep at it. Keep hammering that thing and instill it into your children. Don't let it be a once a year thing. Christmas and Easter or whatever it happens to be consistently. Do it in conversation. Fill that conversation up 
not with the latest scores of the game. That's okay. Who wins or loses, it doesn't doesn't seem makes much difference this year um, about it. And some of us miss it, and some of us don't. But uh, but in your conversation, always talk about the Lord. What would Jesus do? You know. What would he do? He said, well, I don't talk like that. I mean, yeah, well, let me tell you something. It works, friend. You talk about Jesus and you remind kids if they steal something that they don't belong to you. God's word tells you, thou shalt not steal. Don't you touch it. You go put it back, you know. Forgive one another, the whole thing. That can be part of, the, of your daily routine with family. Now, I'm not talking about just kids. I'm talking about, you know, the older ones too. Keep that conversation in the Word of God. Use it as often as you can because God's Word is quick and powerful and is sharper than any two-edged sword. Keep it up. Keep it up. Okay? We can do it conspicuously. You don't need to hide your faith. Put it out there on Main Street. Let people know that you love Jesus Christ. I had a shirt on the other day. I didn't do it to any, uh, it said Assembly of God on. And I was, they wouldn't let my, my wife was getting a, uh, a checkup and you had to sit outside. And the, well, the hospital so sitting there, and the guy said, oh, Assembly of God, I listen to you guys every single day. And he said, uh, I, know, I know Terry Dross. I said, do well, well, I happen to be his father. You are. And so the conversation went on and on and on. You know, so uh, whether it's a, a T-shirt, make it say something, not some goofy thing. Oh, I don't have any of those, I guess. Oh, uh, forgive me, Lord. I didn't mean to say that. We got them. <laughs> okay. Conspicuously, let them know. Let people know where you stand with Jesus. So there's a lot you can do. And uh, I tell you, keep it up. Keep that chain being built. Let those words and influences just be poured out on a, on a family. Because they don't forget. They don't forget. That prodigal son that came home in Luke 15, what stirred his mind? What stirred his mind? I'll tell you what stirred his mind. He had a dad back there in home that must have shown him the way. He said, you know what? This is a mess. I'm in a pig pen. I don't have anything to eat. But if I go home, I know one thing, God will, or my father, you know, he might make me as one of his servants, but at least I'll have a place to sleep and food to eat, the roof over my head, if I can just make it home. You know, that's what people think about when they're away from God. If you've instilled the word of God in their hearts and their lives, the time will come when those words will ring in their mind once again. And scenes of better days of yesterday, God will just paint on the canvas of their recollection those days gone by. And so by those words, by those deeds, you'll influence family and somebody far from God can make their way back because they heard, they saw, and they believed that the gospel that you lived and preached was real and they'll want the same thing. Amen. Let's pray. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you did, take a photo of yourself listening and tag us on social media at Peckville Assembly of God. 
We'll see you next time. And remember, we love you, God loves you, and may God's richest blessing be yours.